Hello and welcome to Parkinson's Pathway Pals, Tuesdays with Teresa. I'm Teresa Jackson, your podcast host. Today, my guest is Allie Topperwine. Within the last, uh, excuse me, within the last five months of 2014, Allison Topperwine separated and divorced from her husband. She sold her home and with her young daughter, she moved back in with her dad. On December 31st, 2014, Allie was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease at the young age of 37. As she put her four-year-old daughter herself in the year of 2014 to bed that night, she said to herself, this is not how my story is going to end. So the following day, she rose with a son, the new year, and a new beginning. Four days later, she began blogging, and two months later, began exercising as her doctor, Dr. Joseph Jankovic, considered it part of her treatment. Topper Wine has been a regular contributor to the Huff Post. In 2016, she was the first person with Parkinson's to compete on American Ninja Warriors. Her story on the hit NBC show inspired thousands of people. In January 2020, she ran her first marathon, the Chevron Houston Marathon, amongst injuries and very little training. In August of 2020, she was contacted by Stephen, a recent divorcee, who also has young onset Parkinson's disease. They met and fell in love with Parkinson's, Allison packed up her daughter, her cat and her bunny, and left her Texas home to begin a new chapter of her Lit Within journey. Stephen and Allison now vlog about their shaky lives that are calmed by their love in a series on YouTube called In Love with Parkinson's, found on Lit Within's channel. Allison is in the process of publishing a children's book that she wrote and illustrated based on her cat and feeling broken. As she travels throughout the country speaking about her journey and overcoming obstacles, she looks at life with Parkinson's as a blessing. Thanks to her faith, her family, and her friends, she is a force to be reckoned with. Welcome, Allie. Well, thank you so much, Teresa. I'm so happy and thankful to be here. Well, I'm excited about you being here. Um, this interview, I think, is going to inspire a lot of people with Parkinson's. Um, it's really, it's, uh, it's, it's inspiring to me and motivating to me. Um, you know, there, Parkinson's is the um, fastest growing neurological disease in the world. And what we are seeing is that more and more and more people at a younger age, all the way down into, you know, people are starting to show symptoms as early as 17 to 20 years old. And then of course, when you're young uh, and you go for stiffness, that's not the first thing a doctor thinks of. And so it can take a while to get diagnosed. So I'm just wondering, what was it like to be diagnosed with young onset Parkinson's? And before you answer that, I want you to think about, you know, you had small children or a small child at the time. What's it like raising kids, dating, managing your work, all those things as you're diagnosed with young onset Parkinson's disease? Well, so much of any disease, um, but in particular Parkinson's, because it affects your brain, your mind, <laughs> the way we think, um, so much of any sort of uphill battle is really um, your, your thought process, um, you know, how you look at it, your perspective. And, um, you know, the way that I have been able to navigate through young onset Parkinson's really comes down to how I navigated um, the marathon. You know, that was my first and only marathon. I have no desire to run a marathon again. 
Um, and the, the way I started it is I was asked by the Houston Area Parkinson Society, HAPS, to um, chair the marathon. And when you compete on American Ninja Warrior on national television and you get asked to chair a marathon, you can't not run it, right? <laughs> so um, I was like, okay, so I'm gonna run it. And um, they were very sweet and they said, oh no, no, you don't have to run it. You know, usually our chairs don't run it. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know me. I mean, that just goes against everything that I am. So. <laughs> Um, I'm going to run it. And, but I immediately started calling it the stupid marathon. I never had a desire to run a marathon. You know, that just seemed like torture that I just wasn't, you know, I do a lot of stupid stuff. Um, but I, you know, I had no, no desire to torture myself like that. So I was calling it the stupid marathon. I wasn't training and I just kept pushing it off. And then God woke me up and shook me and said, hey, you're actually blessed to do this. Like you have all four limbs that for this moment in time are working. And I've given you the ability to do this. You need to change your narrative. And how I change my thought process about the marathon is very similar to how I changed the way I thought when being diagnosed. I mean, it sucked. You know, I remember, you know, being there late afternoon. I was the last person that they saw at the last day of a really crappy year. And, you know, he, he said, you, yes, you have Parkinson's and, that sucked. And I went home and I cried myself to sleep at, you know, 8 PM. And I said goodbye to that chapter. And the next day I rose with a different narrative and, you know, just like the marathon, I've been able to navigate this disease by thinking how blessed that I am that I wasn't taken in a day at this moment in time, you know, Parkinson's may be with me for the rest of my life, but the rest of my life doesn't have to be right now or tomorrow. Um, I have the ability to grasp every day and say, thank you, God, for allowing me this day with my family, with my, you know, four and a half year old at the time, now who's almost 12 and you know i was able to meet a, a fantastic amazing incredible man that lived 1100 miles away from me and you know we've been both given this amazing opportunity at life that's an incredible story you know i when i listen to you and i talk to you i think and, and it really is about mindset right your disease is still the same but your, um, your desire to not waste one minute of one day is palatable. And I know for me, that mindset has improved my quality of life. And I too see blessings because there, I see the blessings in what I call urgency, but it's really probably more about pri priorities and understanding what's important in life and not really worrying so much about what's not. 
I think Parkinson's is really good at, at uh, putting things in focus. So it sharpens our vision around our, our uh, quality of life, I think, if we, if we will, uh, will allow it. Um, well, well, in Philippians 4.11, it says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a huge, powerful verse and words to live by. If you can be content in your here and now, then, the, I mean, everything the world is at your your hands I agree and that is a powerful verse I I want people to understand it doesn't mean to give up it doesn't mean oh I'm resigning to well okay this is what I got but it means it's okay life is still good it's different but it's still good and I can be content where I am well and who on the planet isn't going through something right everybody has something they do. And that was one thing that when I finally, you know, you go through that grieving process, I think when you're diagnosed, at least for me and the most of the people I've talked to have said the same. And I think just that coming to the realization that no one knows who's going to get up in the morning and have a heart attack, be diagnosed with cancer, hit, be in a car wreck, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. And and so um, we don't know what tomorrow brings. So we have to embrace today and not waste any of it. Um, you were talking about when you realize like, oh, I have, I have my four limbs and how blessed am I? I remember what I, right after I was diagnosed and I was meeting some friends in the Keys for a bachelorette party. And I remember getting off the plane and I didn't feel great. And, you know, I was just starting medication. So I still wasn't great. And I was walking kind of slowly as we can without meds. Right. And I was walking slowly down, down the, um, just down the area to the baggage claim and I remember, you know, I was kind of feeling a little sorry for myself. I was meeting these three friends. They're not sick, but I'm sick and I have to take medication and woe is me. And then this gentleman walked by me that didn't have an arm. And he was, it, he appeared to be a vet, a veteran. And I thought, okay, God, I hear you. And then I don't know, probably. Oh, yeah. Happens. <laughs> yeah. And then within 90 seconds after that gentleman walked by, I was like, okay, I hear you, but you know, I'm still not happy about this. Within another 90 seconds, a gentleman rolled by with no legs, pushing himself in a wheelchair, obviously another veteran. And I said, okay, I get it. I'm blessed. I'm okay. I don't have a death sentence. Life is going to be different, but they're working toward a cure, working for better medication, all those things. I'm okay. And it kind of helped me get to that point of acceptance of what what I was living with. Um, So let's move in, if it's okay, real quick to uh, talk about in love with Parkinson's. You know, what are the chances that someone across the United States would find you? They also have Parkinson's. They are also, you know, divorced. And now they have contacted you and it blooms into this beautiful relationship. Talk a little bit about that. Well, you said, what are the odds? Um, when I came out, so to speak, um, and, and began blogging from the immediate, I started getting, um, you know, all kinds of notifications from all kinds of men with Parkinson's of all kinds of ages. And they're like fresh meat. And I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, I was certainly not going to date anybody with Parkinson's. I mean, two wrongs don't make a right. And, you know, having a young child, you know, exposing her to 
now two people with the same disorder um, was just not a good scenario. And so a lot of people might think this is totally ignorant of me to, to do, knowing that both of us have um, the same chronic disease disorder that's only going to be progressive. There is no cure as of this moment in time. So that's where I started. Um, I got contacted by him and, uh, you know, I, I thought, oh, okay, you know, he seems nice. I responded to him because I would respond to anyone. And um, he sent me pictures of his kids and his dog. And I'm like, okay. And, um, but something just kept telling me, you know, to, to contact him and slowly, but surely it's just one thing after another that was pointed in the direction that God wanted us to meet. Um, he wanted to bring us together. Um, you know, there, there's some things that, um, just for simple privacy sake, um, you know, I can't reveal, but we are interconnected, but some of the things that I can reveal, he sent me pictures of his dog because his dog had the same name as me, Allie. Oh, wow. <laughs> gotten this dog five or six years ago. And, um, you know, it, it was, like I said, spelled the exact same way as the way I spell it. Um, the same exit number or well, the exit number to go to my house, um, that I grew up in my father's home. Um, that's his area code. Um, we both noticed our first symptoms in 2010 when we were, it was during childbirth, his son, my daughter, um, you know, two different times of the year, but same year, same scenario. Um, so it was just one thing after another that really led us to each other. And we talk about all the time, how had we met any sooner, um, we wouldn't have been right for each other. Uh, mm -hmm. But we were, it was perfect timing and we really have a great relationship. And if we weren't so interconnected, you know, we have, he has two children. I have one uh, child and it's two preteens and a teenager. And let me just tell you, there is nothing easy about that scenario. But because we are so interconnected, um, we are able to blend this family the best that we can. You know, blending, well, having three either pre-teenagers or teenagers in, in your home at one time, whether you're a blended family or not, and then to add not one but two people with Parkinson's must be very challenging on a day-to-day -day basis. Well, um, laundry is no joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I'm constantly doing laundry, but, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to do this without Steven's help. You know, this is not a one person show by any stretch of the imagination. He's really amazing. And like I said, if, if it wasn't for him and, and our connection, we wouldn't be able to do this. Um, but having said all of that, um, you know, the, the whole 
thing is we do have Parkinson's, but our kids don't really get it. Um, he's never really exposed them to much. So I try and explain, you know, different symptoms and, um, why he does some of the things that he does, you know, um, some of the comments that before they really knew and understood was, you know, why do you act drunk or why, why are you so slow? You know? And so by just explaining that to them, then they kind of start, start to get it. But our kids don't really get it because we are so productive. We both work full time. You know, we're both 12 years into this, but yet we work full time. Um, We both manage the house. We both are fully independent on our own. So then together we are this dynamic duo in the sense that we accomplish much more than most people do that are completely healthy, that have uh, no issues. And I think the big thing goes back to our perspective. We know that every day is precious and blessed. So we're not, both of us feel lazy if we sit down and watch TV. Um, You know, we're, we, we built this home that we now uh, live on, live in, and they have crawl spaces um, in North Carolina. So it's not really a basement. It's a crawl space that has like a natural ground, um, not like a a cement ground. So uh, we we needed to line the crawl space, meaning the, the flooring and then the walls of this area. And him and I did it, you know, crawling in hazmat suits wow. <laughs> you know, this summer. Um, you know, we, we installed a shower at one o'clock in the, the morning. Well, I'm um, just going to call you when I have some home improvement <laughs> things to do. Uh, well, oh, and Lord. you know, not everything that we do is really smart. Like I said, I do a lot of stupid things. Um, you know, when we installed the shower, we both ended up in the rafters trying to like push this shower into place. Um, but we're both able to achieve what we need to achieve at this moment in time. Uh, as, as for the future, you know, I mean, the, the bottom line is there may come a day where we need a a caregiver. And, you know, when I first met him, his mom was completely expecting to be his caregiver. And, you know, I've kind of turned both of their thought process around in that we don't need a a caregiver anytime soon. Um, So at this moment in time, we're just looking at the immediate future you never know what tomorrow will bring. Um, and hopefully it brings focus, a cure. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like if you focus on it too much, um, what p- could possibly maybe happen down the road, you're going to miss what's happening today. That's right. And so we really focus on that today. Yeah, that's but right. If, if for some reason we need a caregiver, we'll deal with that um, when that, that when comes. the time comes. We have amazing support system as far as family and friends. That's awesome. When I listen to you, Allie, I really 
uh, get the sense that you navigate Parkinson's much like you'd navigate life before you had Parkinson's, you know, just that mindset of let's, let's get accomplished what we need to accomplish, not focus on things we can't control. And, you know, not, don't focus on the things that are, are negative. And it, it's not that pie in the sky, you know, view, but the, the reality of let's just move forward. I'm my curious. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. My favorite movie of all times is Pollyanna. And that's the and, word I was actually looking for and couldn't pull Pollyanna. Yeah. Well, and for people that have not seen that movie, she she's believes in the glad game. And the idea is the more you focus on, the more you're going to breed within yourself. That's so right. if you fo- focus on your blessings and things to be glad and happy about, it doesn't make you ignorant or, um, you know, pie in the sky type of a person. It makes you realize just how much you have to be thankful for. Right. And it tends to dull whatever is ailing you. Yeah. I present, I, I like you, um, I'm a motivational speaker and I, and when I present about gratitude, I talk a little bit about, you know, we can increase our gratitude when we are looking for things that are positive. And when we look at life from what's realistic, you know, when people use words like always and never, and that's, that's not really the way things are. And it doesn't mean having a, having a viewpoint of gratitude doesn't mean you're that the Pollyanna of, oh, my house is on fire, but ooh, I'm so warm. It's not that, you know, it's, it's that let's look at what the reality is. Reality is we have medicine that helps us live a pretty normal life for most of us, not by everyone, but for most of us. Let's, um, let's switch and pivot for just a minute and talk about COVID. You know, COVID has really affected everyone in the, in the world, not just in the United States or uh, our you know, but in the world. And so I'm wondering what you've been up to since COVID, how COVID affected you, um, anything you'd like to share around that area? Well, so um, back to my productivity, I am goal oriented. Um, And, you know, that's one way to boost dopamine is to finish a project Mm -hmm. and and finish it well um, and look back at that accomplishment. So when COVID hit, I had, well, let's backtrack. So November before COVID, um, I guess November of 19, um, I was going to my local gym and putting my child into a, um, like not a daycare, but kind of a daycare little area for kids while I went and worked out. And she ended up getting scabies and lice. And here I was a single mom. And when you talk about scabies and lice, you immediately start itching. I don't care who you are. Yeah. But um, I have very like deceivingly thick hair. My child has deceivingly thick hair uh, and curly hair at that. So running a lice comb through our hair when you have a movement disorder and you're a single person and no one wants to come in within, you know, 20 feet of you. It, it was a, a woe is me kind of a time. And I remember, you know, having a woe is me night because, you know, I'm normal, I'm human. And, and I do have those um, times. And 
I was talking to a very, very close dear friend of mine. And she said, just think of it this way. If you had a man, would he be of any help to you anyway? Do you think he would actually help you comb through your hair? And I'm like, you know, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> because I had never experienced um, that type of a support from uh, any man, other than my father, of course. But um, so I was going through that period. I was trying to train and change my thought process for the marathon in January um, of 2020, right before the marathon, I uh, actually ran the marathon. Um, I was very close, like it was me and one other uh, person for a new job uh, that at that time I really wanted. And uh, then I didn't get. And then in February, we had a big grading uh, period for at my, my job that I currently still have. Um, but it was a, a, a big, um, grading for a, a national institution. So that was very, it was just a very stressful time. And on top of all of that, then we were having a gala, um, that I was right in the middle of preparing. So all of this stuff is going, you know, hitting me from all different directions, you know, dealing with my, my daughter's situation and then, you know, and feeling alone and, you know, running this challenging obstacle and just all this stuff is going on. So when COVID hit, everything stopped, which was the much needed break that I needed. So for the first two or three months, I went to my dad's because, you know, we needed to be quarantined. And I thought, you know, my dad lives on a ranch. He's got animals. If, if I'm going to be quarantined, at least I'll have entertainment and food, um, with my child in a, in a safe place. And so I just relaxed and I worked from home and, you know, I established this routine and I found it to be so relaxing because I was so stressed out prior to, to COVID that I was able to have meetings. And if I was a little dyskinetic, it was okay because Zoom kind of cut that off. And, um, you know, I was just much more relaxed and I actually slept for eight, and nine hours every night, which wow. I always have <clears throat> sleeping issues. Um, so it was all of these wonderful things. And, um, you know, then I ended up giving up my pursuit of, of love completely officially. I wrote a, a note down saying, you know, God, I'm giving this up to you because I am tired and, you know, I'm no longer going to look for my soulmate. Instead, I'm going to give you my soul for you to prepare mm. it and my mate. And um, a few months after that, I get contacted by a very handsome man in North Carolina. Uh, so we actually met, uh, during COVID, uh, and we ended up just, it was just pretty immediate, you know, the connection that we had and under insurmountable, uh, odds, him and I first our relationship, but I moved 
from 1100 miles away from Texas to North Carolina. And because of COVID, I've been able to work and continue my, my job um, with this, you know, huge distance uh, because I work remotely and, you know, I'm able to go home once a month and see family, friends, my coworkers, and my daughter can see her family, friends, her dad. Um, so it's been truly a blessing. Yeah, that's great. You know, I think people either did well with COVID or they didn't. There's not a lot of the middle of the road. Um, so you've had a lot of changes, obviously, in the last several years. And I know for me personally, sometimes I just say, gosh, I just wish I'd have a mundane period of time where nothing's happening, right? But we, I think in order to have a quality uh, of life or have quality in our lives, you mentioned goal-oriented um, I always need to be moving toward the next thing, whatever that is. It doesn't have to be big. I'm learning to do acrylic painting. And so maybe that's the next thing, whatever it is. But I'm just wondering um, for you, who someone is, uh, you know, really high goals, I say, um, I'm wondering what you're looking forward to in the next five years. So, you know, the whole five year um, thing has always, you know, from the time you're little to, you know, death. People want to know about a five-year goal. And I really dropped that when um, I got diagnosed because, you know, I got divorced and no one sets out to get married just to get divorced. Um, That was to me the worst thing possible. In fact, it was worse than when I got diagnosed two and a half months after uh, my divorce. You know, so my thought process was this wasn't my plan. In fact, anything that I've planned, uh, you know, I never had imagined being on American Ninja Warrior. In fact, when I was told what I call little angels, but people told me I should try out for American Ninja Warrior. Um, I thought, what, what is that? I had no idea. And the first episode that I saw was uh, the episode that I was on, you know, it was like, I, I filmed the show before ever actually watching it. So, you know, my plans never seem to, to pan out, but I would say for, you know, in five years, I hope there's a cure. Um, you know, I, I certainly keep up with my Parkinson's news uh, and, and, you know, see if there's any sort of ways that I can help contribute to a possible cure. Um, but other than that, I plan on, um, doing whatever I can to be consistent, persistent about my health and keep up with my activity. Uh, Stephen and I, you know, we will, be happy and healthy wherever we are, whether it's still here in North Carolina, in Texas, or in, you know, India, or, uh, you know, uh, Just wherever, Greece, wherever yeah. we are. Greece would be okay. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, I think um, when you think about goals and what's coming next and that sort of thing, I think that the main thing is that people need to understand that living with purpose 
is critical to people's health and their longevity, not just their health, but their longevity. There's so much research and so much data out there about people that live with purpose. It's more important than your weight. And we know how important weight is toward all the diseases that come our way. Um, it's more important than how much you drink. It's more important than how, if you smoke, it's living with purpose is critically important. And I think that it's really easy to lose that when you're diagnosed with something like Parkinson's, because you think I can barely take care of myself. How can I, you know, how do I have a purpose in helping others? And that's one reason that I actually um, started this podcast was not for me to have a purpose, but to educate others. And in that process, it did give me a purpose. And so I think purpose is really important. Sure. Um, and there's two men um, that to that point that their torsos, there's a, an African-American man that I've seen and a um, white Caucasian man that I've seen. And both of them are just torsos. They have no limbs. And yet they still get up out of bed every day. They get dressed. I have no idea how this all works, but they do it. And they do it with such amazing precision. And then they get up and speak in front of, you know, hundreds and thousands of people. Yeah. And to me, it's like, what am I complaining about? I mean, right. come on, you know? So absolutely having purpose is, you know. Yeah, it's critical. It's 100% where it needs to be. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, apart from a cure, is there anything that you wish would really improve with your fight against this disease? So my biggest complaint with Parkinson's um, is just the um, lack of knowledge, uh, you know, completely lack of knowledge with uh, of the brain. I feel like uh, scientists and researchers, physicians, they know more about space um, than they do about the human brain. There's so many unknowns. Um, but in particular, women and, and young onset uh, women with Parkinson's, I'm still a fertile female. Um, you know, I'm 44, so um, that that will be declining. But I still have a cycle, a monthly cycle, and my meds and my symptoms are consequently on that cycle. So my biggest complaint is just how I have to self-medicate depending on my symptoms and, and really just pay such a close attention to that. Um, every day is a different day, every day, you know, one day I can work out and the next day I'm doing fantastic, hardly have any symptoms, but the next day I can work out and for one reason or another, maybe I didn't sleep as well, or, um, you know, maybe I've had too much protein. And so the, the, uh, medic medication isn't absorbing properly, or, um, you know, maybe it's right before my cycle. And so I'm taking, you know, 12 to 20 Ritari in a day and nothing seemed to work. Um, you know, I wish it would just be more of a level playing field. Uh, that would be nice. So I currently, um, I'm trying to journal, uh, my cycle and I'm going to start getting, uh, 
blood tests every couple of days for a month. And that will gauge where my hormones are in that, in a, a typical month. Um, and we're going to try to do some sort of uh, hormone replacement therapy, whether it be birth control or, um, you know, depending on the progesterone, the estrogen, you know, possibly even testosterone um, and just try and level that, that playing field out a little bit. You know, I think there's probably a larger group of people out there than we even realize that are dealing with this because young onset has, you know, not just the the job, the kids, the things that older people may not be dealing with, but for females, there's like this whole other component. So that's really, I think, uh, something worthy mentioning. And I think, you know, for most of us, whether we're young onset or we're older, when you think about a cure, um, I think cures can come in and maybe that's not the right word, but if we had a medication that did not cause dyskinesia, that made you have, you know, the ability or that provided the ability to live a pretty normal life and do what we wanted, most of us with Parkinson's, I think we'd be pretty happy. We want a cure, make no, you know, no bones about that, but we'd be pretty happy if we had meds that just worked effectively all the time. Well, and And something that is the biggest um, enemy of anyone with Parkinson's is stress. Mm -hmm. And so you can be exercising, you can be eating right, you can be on point with your medication, but if you're stressed, then nothing's going to work right. You know, that's why at the beginning of, of COVID, I did so well because I had erased the stress from my life. And so, you know, I, I wasn't really watching the news much, just, I just watch or not even watch, but I just read enough news so that I kind of know what's going on, mm-hmm. but, um, I try and, and keep myself in a bubble as much as possible because the moment I get stressed, everything just is negated. Anything positive yeah. is negated. Yeah. Yeah, I've experienced the same thing. I think uh, most of us with Parkinson's do. Um, you you ran a marathon after you were diagnosed. You were on American Ninja Warrior. You have you know you're a writer, a vlogger. Um, I am just going to pose the question to you, Allie Tupperwine, Tupperwine. What is your secret to living successfully with Parkinson's? Well, I think we, we've covered this, um, but yeah, our mindset is huge. Something that I've noticed with Steven, because, you know, because I have the disease and I know when he needs meds and he can look at me and say, calm down, you're getting stressed. Um, we can relate to each other so well. I have had countless people come up to me every day. In fact, last week I counted, there were five people that came up to me, five different people that had not seen him in several years and came up to him and gave him a hug and introduced themselves to me. And were like, they all said the same thing. I have never seen him so happy. He Mm. looks so good because he's smiling and, you know, he was stressed. He was in a toxic marriage. You know, he was going through the utmost stress and 
that just does such a number on a person yeah. um, that he has, in fact, his, when I met him, he has uh, a constant tremor, the Rytari or Cinemat, you know, Carbidopa, Levodopa, it takes away my symptoms, but for him, it, it, it helps with all of his symptoms, but he still has a constant tremor. And a lot of men I found um, that that's pretty typical. So um, when I met him the very first time we were watching a movie and I just touched his arm and for a good minute, his arm stopped shaking. Wow. And, and it wasn't until I said something and he was noticing it, but when I said something, that's when the, the tremor began. So um, really I found the success to be not go find somebody uh, that has Parkinson's as well, but just find peace within yourself, take away, eliminate as much stress as possible. There's always, always going to be something that is stressful in your life that you cannot control, but there's a lot of daily stressors that you can control and to eliminate those. And for me, I don't realize that I'm stressed until after the fact. And I look back and I'm like, wow, I was really stressed during that time. So you have to really monitor yourself and and what you take in. But I, like I said, I don't watch the news. Um, I just really try to avoid or, um, you know, put up boundaries for any stressors that are not necessary. That's really, really sage advice is, is boundaries. You know, whether that's uh, with our, our work, we're giving 100%, but then at some point we need to, you know, put the boundary that it's quitting time. Or maybe it is a, you know, a toxic friendship that, and I use that word loosely, it's friendship, but someone in your life relationship is toxic and we need to either eliminate or decrease our exposure to those people. So I think stress is a huge thing. Um, so I want everyone to be on the lookout for your book eventually. Um, so we'll we'll be on the lookout for that. And I wanna know if there's anything else today that you would like to share with someone that's newly diagnosed um, Parkinson's and specifically young onset. Well, my so my book is based on a um, true story and I have a cat that I named Mira and it is the day that I found her was the day after the doctor first told me, yes, I I think you may have Parkinson's, but I'm not going to diagnose you yet. I want you to have some tests. So that's when he sent me for a DAT scan and a, a few more things. So I find this cat and I take her to the vet. Uh, she's a kitten and she's bouncing around. And I'm like, why is a cat hopping? And so I take her to the vet and uh, the vet says, you know, she's about eight weeks old and that uh, she has two crushed hips and that there's, he could probably do surgery, but um, he, there's no guarantee that it would fix it, that she, it didn't seem like she was in much pain. Um, so she's just going to be a lame kitty. So the day after I'm told that I'm broken, that I'm not going to get better, that I'm just going to be, end up a lame little Allison. 
Um, the next day I find this cat who's also broken and is told that she's just going to be lame for the rest of her life. And, you know, as the story continues, this is instead of it being me, it's this little girl and in the story. Um, and so, you know, Mira grows and she plays just like any old other kitty. She runs, she jumps, she climbs ladders, she grabs two mice and two lizards and puts them in a box. And, um, and the little girl is just in love with this kitty. And the next thing she knows, she goes and finds the kitty on a, a house, which in real life, I found Mira on my dad's, one of my dad's buildings um, at his, his shop, his warehouse. And, you know, the cat jumps and the cat has, is broken. She's going to be lame, um, but she lands on her two feet, all four feet. That's the thing about cats. They always land. Well, I ended up being on American Ninja Warrior. And so, you know, the, the child and what I realized is we aren't broken. We are completely whole and miracles do happen. And so Mira, the kitty is a miracle. Aww. And so in, in the children's book, um, it, it, you never see the little girl except from the chest up. And so the second to last page, you see her hugging the cat and um, she's in a wheelchair. And so that was my visual nod of a, a disability. Um, and then the last page, you see the cat on top of a monkey bars, uh, the wheelchair next to the monkey bars and the little girl, um, you know, climbing the monkey bars. And, and that's the thing about life. Um, you can get a, a diagnosis, you can get a hurdle, you can get an obstacle, but you can also overcome those things. And it may not look the way you wanted it to look. Your life may not be how you planned it five years ago, but it's exactly where you need to be. And just embrace it, look up, ask God what you need to do next and say, thank you. Mm, I love that. Say thank you. Allie, thank you for sharing your story today with our listeners. Um, I'm inspired by you. I know people out there listening are going to be inspired. Um, I'm so happy for you and Stephen that you connected. And um, thank you to our listening audience today. Don't forget to subscribe and I will see you Tuesday.